I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. KSL News Time 850. Uh, we have results and we have the Associated Press calling a few races. We heard about eight minutes ago Senator Mike Lee has won his primary over Becky Edwards and Ali Isom. And now we're just learning the Associated Press has called two congressional races. First, Congressman Blake Moore will run for re-election in November. He defeats Tina Cannon and Andrew Badger. Uh, Blake Moore with 59% of the vote and and uh, John Curtis has won in Provo handily over Chris Harrod, the Associated Press calling that race. The margin, 72 to 28 percent. And now we're just hearing the other two congressional races have been called by the Associated Press. Chris Stewart, the victor in District 2, 67 to 32 percent. Burgess Owens also wins his race in District 4. He'll run for re-election. He defeated Jake Hunsaker, 60 to 40 percent. You know, Jeff, the only th- everything that you've just reported is sort of what we've talked about. It's intuitive. It's what was predicted. The one thing that I think that the that will be interesting to sort of noodle on is the margin of victory for um, Mike Lee. I, th- I heard a lot of folks saying that he would probably get somewhere between 60 and 65 percent, not quite to that 60 percent margin. And we don't really know what that means. Well, let's talk to somebody who has spent an election night or two with Senator Mike Lee. Uh, joining us live from New York City, I understand, is KSL's own Boyd Matheson from Inside Sources. Good evening, Boyd. Good evening. At, uh, election nights are always fascinating uh, as you look at the numbers and crush them. And, uh, and there's still numbers coming in. I think it's important to uh, to remind our listeners that there still are a lot of votes uh, out there. None that are going to change the, the victory. But to Scott's point, they may change the margin uh, of victory. There's still nothing being reported in from Weber uh, County. So that will be interesting. I think there's still some more numbers out there from Washington County uh, as well. So all of those, I think, will will play in and, and and currently on the Senate race, it's uh, a 60-31 uh, to 8 in a three-way race. So kind of to that 60-point uh, threshold uh, and a 30-point margin of victory, I think, is uh, is what we're looking at. Boy, do you think, uh, t- tell me, these late-arriving um, ballots that are coming late, do you think that favors the incumbent in, in the U.S. Senate race? Uh, I do think there is a large number of uh, voters for the incumbent in the Senate race that were going to vote uh, on the day of. So there were many of those that uh, didn't want to send in the mail-in ballots. So I, I do think uh, normally normally you would have late-breaking ballots tend to uh, to go away from the incumbent and more towards a, a challenger. I think uh, this round I think you'll actually see more of those 
uh, same day voter, you know, election day voters, I think will probably lean towards the senator. Boyd, I, I picture you in New York City right now in a little hotel room in Times Square. Life is continuing. Broadway shows are playing and you're hunched over a computer looking at Utah election results. Do I have it right? Is my camera on? Is that, <laughs> I, I literally jumped off the Amtrak train coming from D.C. up to New York. I've uh, got an interview with uh, former Senator Joseph Lieberman tomorrow. And uh, I literally raced from uh, Penn Station to the hotel. I am hunched over my computer, uh, crunching numbers and uh, seeing how that all plays out. Boyd, as you've looked over those numbers, are there any other surprises in the evening that you've been able to pick up? Uh, not, no surprises as yet. Things seem to be playing out uh, pretty much uh, on cue there. Uh, the congressional races that you've uh, called, none of those uh, really turn into contests. And so that's always a, an interesting thing. Um, you know, when we when we look at polling, we always have to make sure we really dig beyond just the top line numbers. We also need to make sure uh, that we're looking at likely voters versus registered voters. And uh, I think there were some polls out there that kind of in all of these races that made it seem like maybe it was a little closer than it actually was because when you talk to the broader perspective registered voters versus likely voters again where it's not going to be a huge turnout tonight i think we'll be lucky if we hit 350,000 uh votes out there cast uh in this primary election so not a not a huge one um and so those numbers of likely voters become really important uh as, as especially as we look at this and then as we make the pivot towards uh, the general election in the fall so let's talk about the general election i think it was a deseret news hinkley institute poll that shows mike lee a mere four points ahead of evan mcmullen in the fall uh how does this play into your discussion of likely voters versus registered voters what do you see happening here so that particular poll that you mentioned uh, is a registered voter poll, uh, and I don't know any national pollster that would release a registered voters uh, registered voter polls in June of an election year. Uh, it just is is not uh, how things are done typically, and so I Thank my you, guess boy. is that the margin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't understand. And I've actually, I, I've talked to Democratic pollsters and Republican pollsters and independent pollsters, uh, and I haven't found a single one who would ever release a registered voter poll uh, in June of an election year. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and probably the best example of that uh, is to look at California. If you took a poll of registered California voters versus the 17% of California voters who actually showed up to vote in a primary, uh, the numbers are just very different when it comes. You can use registered voters to poll issues and the general feeling of the of the public on a policy issue uh, or a, a personality, but not in a head-to-head competition. So uh, you have to be careful. I, I think when you look at registered voter polls, especially this late in the game, uh, I think you're, you either have a, a little bit of a political polling malpractice uh, or agenda items going on there in terms of uh, making a race look a little bit closer. So I think there's obviously a long way to go between now and November uh, in in a host of races around the state. Uh, but I think we have to be careful in terms of what polling we're looking at, who we're actually talking to, and who actually will go out and 
cast a vote come November. Well, your answer made Scott seem much more relaxed. He was visibly upset <laughs> when I asked about that poll with the four-point difference between the two. You know, I do want to slip this in and mention there was one, uh, let's call it a surprise in quotation marks, uh, David Levitt losing, getting trounced, beaten, defeated by Jeff Gray in the Utah County Attorney's race after all the crazy that went on there. Uh, Jeff Gray with 72% of the vote. David Levitt showing up with 28%. Yeah, a fascinating race there. And, and it just shows you that uh, when you think it can't get any crazier uh, in politics, it always can get a little bit crazier. Uh, and I think that's what we saw coming down the home stretch there. Again, just a lot of uncertainty. And the one thing that voters don't like is uncertainty. Uh, they they want to have confidence in a direction and they want to have confidence in a, a vision and they want to have confidence in a set of principles that they can count on, even if they don't agree with them all. Uh, they still want to know some certainty in terms of uh, what they're getting. And I think that's how that one played out. I think the, the wild swings and the kind of the head scratchers uh, comments and, and uh, moments there were, were really the difference in that one. Boyd, I've been preaching this gospel that things are going to change after today uh, in that Senate race as it relates to what the campaign issues will actually turn into. And we heard to, earlier today, I don't think you, you, you may not have heard it, the state Democratic chair declared quite uh, a matter-of-factly that the Democratic Party will not spend any resources on uh, that race. Do you think the Senate, the, the Senate Democratic National Senatorial Committee, will spend any dollars uh, on this race? Uh, you know, I think I think you're absolutely right, Scott, in terms of how the the issues really shift. And obviously, the, one of the big issues is the balance of power in the United States Senate. And I, I don't think the Democrats in the Senate, I don't think Chuck Schumer is going to spend any extra pennies anywhere that he isn't very confident is going to make a difference uh, for the balance of power in the Senate. So I think what you'll see is a little bit of a lull in July and early August. And then I think things will heat up. I think the national Democrats will say, OK, is this close enough to dump uh, some significant money into? Uh, and then they evaluate it that way. Uh, but I think that's also a challenge uh, for Democrats, uh, as uh, Evan McMullen has said, he won't caucus with the Democrats or with the Republicans. Uh, and so that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that gets navigated. And I'm sure there'll be a host of other issues uh, that are going to come up from both sides. Uh, I, there will be a lot of money spent in that campaign. And so that will be interesting to see if that moves the needle towards Evan McMullen, towards Mike Lee. Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting. I, I sadly am expecting that this uh, campaign will get a little nastier uh, as we move through August and uh, into the fall. Boyd, go outside, see Times Square, buy a hot dog, okay? <laughs> go get a pretzel, what a pretzel works. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you back here in the studio, my friend. Uh, all right, we'll see you. It's been an interesting evening. Any surprises that really struck you, Scott? No, not at all, as predicted. Okay, so that's the story. All of the incumbents win in the national races for House and Senate, and our coverage concludes now. We appreciate you listening, and there's KSL's primary night. I really appreciate the opportunity to work with you. Thank you, Jeff. It's been great. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.